The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What narratives have the Cowboys absolutely shattered this offseason? Well, it's time to discuss that and more here on the Riled Up Podcast. It's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with my man, Tom Ryle, and your boy, Roy White. You can follow him at TomRyleBTB on Twitter. And you can, of course, follow me at RW3 on the Twitter sphere as well. Follow all the great content from our friends here at bloggingtheboys.com by going to bloggingtheboys.com and by following them on Twitter at bloggingtheboys. And they will keep you up to date on all the goings-on at Cowboys OTAs because we do have a couple of rumblings from those, Tom. And, of course, you can get caught up on those with our daily podcast featuring our guy, RJ Ochoa. Make sure you check that out as well there on the podcast sector. But for now, Tom, you and I like to take a big-picture approach when we look at conversations surrounding the Cowboys. And this is one that I've been looking forward to because – a few of these have stacked on top of one another this offseason, built to a point from Cowboys history that made us think we knew some hard truths about the Dallas Cowboys. Some narratives that existed out there or that have existed for a long time about the Dallas Cowboys that were believed by all to be true. And quite frankly, the Cowboys have shattered quite a few of those. So I wanted to kind of go through some of those narratives, see which are the ones we agree that the Cowboys have destroyed this offseason, and which are the ones may still have some bits of truth to it. Yeah, uh, I I was one of those people that thought I knew how this front office was going to operate, and frankly, I was kind of despairing that they would ever change to uh, take care of things that really needed to be handled. And they stunned me with uh, with some of the things they've done. Uh, there's some, some big ones, some that are maybe not quite as obvious. And even the things that they kind of have hung on to, they're doing it in kind of a better way. Uh, and our big hope is that this is a sea change. This isn't just a one-year blip, yet there are, I mean, when they've done so much so differently from, from the old way of doing things, uh, you have to have hope that they are really getting their act together. 
and uh, it's been fascinating. It's also been the most encouraging offseason I can remember in a long time because of one particular reason. And go ahead. Well, ultimately, I mean, what we're talking about here is approach. And while the results aren't always going to be there from year to year in a league like the NFL, or quite frankly, when playoffs are decided in one-offs, the team that wins the championship is very often not the best team in the league that year. But the approach that teams take needs to be examined. And for a long time, there were portions of the Cowboys approach that had very serious, obvious holes in them. And whether this was the Garrett way of doing things, uh, whether this is Mike McCarthy's influence on a new approach, or whether this is just Stephen Jones haven't been around long enough to see what kind of works and what doesn't, it does feel like on certain areas that we believe there to be blind spots for the Cowboys, they are starting to see very clearly. And that's kind of where I wanted to start, right? Um, The first of which is how they handled the media. The narrative that we believe existed or that I, I mean, and I thought this existed, was the Cowboys are too transparent with their personal approaches. They give away too much to the media. And this narrative, at least this offseason, to me, was completely flipped on its head. Yeah, we, we can remember how there would be names in the mouths of Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones that would wind up uh, being drafted or at least they were going after those players. They wanted them. Sometimes they didn't make it. But, you know, just look at last season. Tyler Smith was one that a lot of people weren't happy about it, but they were talking him up and people were saying, wow, looks like he's going to be doing going to be a target. They might take him. They wound up doing it. Uh, Leighton Vandresh was telegraphed all over the place. Uh, you know, even CD lamb, you could say was, uh, someone that they, uh, they were, huh? Coveted. Coveted. They didn't expect he was going to be there. They wanted him to be there. And I think they pretty much raced up to the podium once he was there with him. And, and that's just kind of how it's gone for a while. And suddenly it was like they called out Mozzie Smith's name and we're all going like, who? <laughs> Say what? Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, you kind of think that maybe they just have plugged the leaks, but I think it's, I think the leaks were the ownership. Uh, that was kind of where it started. They love to talk to the media. They they love to tip things. And that kind of gave maybe some of the staff more freedom to be open with the reporters and everything and, you know, give them little things so they could uh, control the narrative, so to speak. That's changed. They were very close-mouthed about this. Everybody... Almost. I, I certainly was one of them, thought this was going to be a very offensive, tilted draft. Instead, they went four and four, and it was uh, the, the defensive picks came early. They had, you know, three of the first four picks were all on defense, which completely boggled my mind. 
I kept waiting for them to start rolling the offensive players out in, and it just didn't happen. So, yeah, this was this was big, and uh, I applaud it. I, I never could understand why they were so eager to let everybody know what they were thinking about. You know, that, that never made sense. I didn't know too many other teams that did that. You know, outside, you know, you could always look at some of the teams in the top five, and it was fairly easy to figure out which ones needed a quarterback and and which ones were going after the after the uh, the the top non-quarterback on the board because they had a uh, decent quarterback and they had other needs. But this just this I think really made everybody take a step back and go, wow, they're doing business in a business-like way. Without question. The fact that they were able to, I mean, I didn't hear anybody talking about Mozzie Smith in the weeks leading up to the draft. I heard him mentioned potentially as a guy that could be a target around the combine time. But once the cycle started swelling and really what's crazy about it is a a month that local reporters have to dig into these things, right? to talk to coaches and scouts and some of the player personnel guys who, I mean, I get it, right? Jerry and Steven do give away a lot of clues. And in some cases, infamously, as you were a part of documenting, they've given away their draft board uh, before we even had a chance to look at the players that were going to be taken. But ultimately uh, they kept this one extremely close to the vest. And for that reason, I am ready to say, hey, maybe, hey, maybe if it is just their own their own way of talking about things, right? Uh, there's a little bit less Jerry these days that we hear from, and when we do hear from him, he says a little bit less than he used to. That's a good approach from a Cowboys fan's perspective, and ultimately from a franchise health perspective. Yeah, and. I mean, I'm I'm thinking, has this is this really just a case of uh, an an old dog learning some really new tricks? I hope so, because I think this is a much smarter way to go about it. I like being surprised, <laughs> you know. Uh, sometimes I may disagree with it, what they did. I thought I disagreed with this when it, the pick was first made in the first round, and yet the more I look at it, I think. This could have been a bigger issue for the Cowboys than we realized. And it it kind of ties right into the next thing that we kind of came up with to look at. That the Cowboys have completely disregarded uh defensive linemen, particularly the the nose tackle or one tech model of a big 330 pound uh you know just hole plugger, a guy that you you had to figure out a way to run around because you couldn't run through him. Really interior guys, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. take pass rushers, no problem, right? They got Tank, mm-hmm. Micah, while somewhat unexpected, clearly they utilize him as a pass rusher. I mean, even guys like Dorrance Armstrong are going up to, you know, back to Taco or they invest in pass rushers, right? They invest in out, outside defensive linemen, but interior defensive linemen, up to this year, the narrative had been the Cowboys don't really value interior defensive line play. Yeah. 
Now, actually, we had a little clue that they might have been loosening up a little bit a few years back because, in, in, but in, in 20 and 21 in the drafts, they used a total of three third-round picks to take Neville Gallimore, Osa Adigazua, and Chauncey Goldston, who we've since found out is becoming a, a three-tech. But they were three-techs. They still, the only thing they spent on a big-body nose tackle type was a six rounder on Quentin Bohana. And then they also spent uh, the, uh, the fifth rounder on John Ridgeway last year and then fumbled that, let him get claimed on waivers when they tried to sneak him under the practice squad. Still, those are, you know, fairly late day three picks. And then all of a sudden they said like the biggest, the, the, the guy we need the most from what's available for us after 25 players are taken, is big Mozzie Smith, who's going to come in and just, I, I think he's going to really bring the run up the middle to a halt while he's in. And uh, I think he also is going to turn out to be better at pushing the pocket, so he's not going to be a liability in the pass defense. And it's interesting because I wonder how much of that was driven by what they saw when Jonathan Hankins was was acquired last season. You know, they traded for him, sent a late round pick for him. They didn't spend much, but they brought him in, and the defense was noticeably better in the games he was healthy. When he missed some games, there was a real drop-off. And I'm wondering if that helped open their eyes and make them realize the value and now, for the first time since 1991, they took uh, an interior defensive lineman in the first round. Remarkable on that front. Again, a position that the Cowboys had disregarded because I feel like they didn't think it affects the game all that much. And I've long been of the position, right, when you look at the greats of our generation or at least of my generation the tom brady's the Peyton mannings etc they can make all the throws from the pocket and the only thing that disrupts them to a large degree is pressure up the middle now today's quarterback is a little bit different right uh, some maneuverability factors in there that have not been in the game in years past but even still that's all the more reason why being able to at least control the run game and control the pocket is so important, right? He may not even generate a ton of pressure, but just to be able to keep those interior guys that are defending the quarterback in the right spot can open up spots and open up opportunities for the outside pass rushing linemen that are going to be yeah. in play, right? And they're not even anticipating Mozzie, at least from the sound of it, there's like little to no expectation at all for him to do anything in the passing game in the early portion of it. And it's kind of unusual to see a first round draft pick not have a ton of expectation heaped onto him. But because of this position, it's kind of the perfect spot in my mind, uh, both with where they drafted him and with, hey, how much in, of an impact truly just one facet of his game could have if he is elite at it. Yeah, and this is an era where we're seeing specialists more. Uh, 
Dan Quinn loves a rotation with his linemen anyway. So nobody uh, is going to be out there for all of the defensive downs on the line. He's going to be keeping fresh legs coming in. I think you'll, what I think you're going to see is that, you know, Hankins will come in to give uh, Mozzie some relief. Uh, excuse me at times. And, but he's still going to be your starter. He's going to be your first down guy because that's when you're looking teams still will run a good bit on first down. He may be there on a lot of second downs. And if it's third and short, you're probably going to want him in there to make sure the other team doesn't just run the ball on you and and move the sticks. So he's going to get good usage. And it really, especially this year with how kind of thin the talent was at the top of the draft, he's really more like a second, a high second rounder. And nobody's going to complain if a high second rounder is, is in a heavy usage, but in a rotational role. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great point. Great point. The next narrative that we wanted to examine, this is one that I'm not sure if they turned it on its head, but it's one that I do think they've adjusted, and I think you and I agree on that, and that's that draft picks are precious jewels to be hoarded only for taking college talent, and I love the way you phrase that because, I mean, in one way or another, both Steven and Jerry have word saladed themselves into saying this exact thing about the draft picks that they do have. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because that often came up. That was their response when people were asking, why aren't you doing more in free agency? And, you know, it was like, you heard about cap space and pies and how the team was going to build through the draft over and over. I mean, really. So it's it it was very interesting that this year, and going back into last year, they've kind of loosened up on that because I, I've already mentioned that that Hankins was acquired, I think, for a six rounder uh, that they traded away last last season to bring him on board, and that still left them with. Uh, I think they had nine picks at that point after he was. They traded that one away because they had were sitting on ten, and so they came into the the off season with their nine draft picks, and then came 
the big surprise when they traded for uh, Stefan Gilmore and Brandon Cooks before we even got to the, the draft, which was stunning to me. It just, that was not the way they did it. This is the type of trade that you execute in Madden that you don't think can even happen in real life. But in reality, it kind of gets executed all the time in the NFL for the teams willing to basically inquire about it, right? You always see those trades happening around the league and you go, why didn't the Cowboys get involved in that? Why weren't Mm -hmm. the Cowboys knocking on that door? And I think one of the things we fail to realize in those situations is that, hey, someone initiated that conversation and if the two individuals are talking, there's no reason to get a third party involved if both sides are happy with the compensation, right? Mm -hmm. You're not trying to get a better deal when a good one is staring you in the face. And so in these instances, I think the Cowboys were actively looking around and having these conversations. And we have proof of that based on the fact that we know that they were willing to give up more last off season, or excuse me, last year in the middle of the season before the trade deadline for Brandon Cooks that the Houston Texans wound up turning down. So they went back to that conversation in addition to picking up the phone and calling a team like Indianapolis, who probably in rebuild mode has no use for a great player, albeit a very skilled cornerback on, you know, they have no use for a guy that ultimately is not going to be there when their next regime is ready to compete. And that's the type of forward thinking that I want my front office to be involved in. They made both of the big deals this offseason that if I was a neutral cow, you know, a neutral NFL fan, I would be saying, gosh, I wish my team did that. Yeah. And they got very high marks for both of them. Uh, I, I can't remember which one generally was seen as the better, but both of them, when, the, when people were looking at the, the offseason trades, there were only 14 of these trade a draft pick to get a veteran in that happened this year, including Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I think the Cooks trade was rated by one site that I was looking at as the next best after him. And then uh, the Gilmore trade was up there. It might, and I might have that backwards because I was looking at that when I was putting together stuff for this podcast. But, and, and you know, we kind of skipped over the fact that they kind of snuck that in on us without letting the cat out of the bag to the media. And I do wonder, is some of this just that this year things came together for the Cowboys when they could never quite get the, the trade that they were happy with? Or are they being a little more aggressive with it? And I think it may be a little of both. I just, I really hope they they do this uh, going forward because to me it's a, if, let's face it, a, 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 a a fifth round pick, a sixth round pick is a, a real crapshoot. You don't know that the college player who's lasted that far in the draft is going to be able to contribute that much. Why not use that for a guy who, while he's advanced in his career, still is showing, still is playing quite well last year and should have another year of gas left in the tank? 
Uh, you know, they got two of them. I'm, I'm pretty sure at least one of them is going to have a very good year with Dallas. On the part I always love mentioning when it comes to these acquisitions in the Cowboys, right? You probably know what's coming, Tom. If these guys wind up continuing to play beyond their years with the Dallas Cowboys, well, guess what the Cowboys are going to get? A compensatory pick. As a result of this, they could wind up getting back exactly what they gave up or even better than what they gave up to get these two players. So they could literally both get to have their cake and eat it too when it comes to that scenario. So that's why, like, no-brainer, huge moves for the Cowboys, but also not a full change in philosophy because it doesn't seem like yet they're willing to part with valuable trade assets right day one and day two draft picks because Mm -hmm. it seemed like uh the likes of deandre hopkins was out there and available maybe for a second rounder and the cowboys were never really sniffing in that department and you might think deandre hopkins is a better player than brandon cooks i would agree with you but i'd rather have brandon cooks at the price yeah and it's it's a it is a matter of of judging the value because those day one and day two picks have a much better chance of paying off. Uh, although you know you have to look at it that no pick is is guaranteed, just as no trade is guaranteed to help. There, I think this is a case of they're playing the odds, uh, making some rational decisions, and I'm all for it. You know. Well, what you may not be for is the next narrative on the list. Mm -hmm. And that is after the release of Ezekiel Elliott, the Cowboys have learned their lesson about overpaying running backs in today's NFL. Yeah, but as you Hmm. point out. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, again, kudos for... Having the stones to make the decision about Ezekiel Elliott that needed to be made. But we also need to acknowledge that that was a no-brainer move. And the only reason anybody either from a media or fan perspective even questioned that they would make it is because they all felt like Jerry's heart and emotions would cloud his judgment with a player that was so beloved in a Cowboys uniform. Right. Yeah. And that was what we based it all off of. And truth be told, anybody who is a reasonable football mind, even if you're not in a front office, would agree that's irrational at best and negligent at worst. Yeah. Zeke, I mean, great player. Uh, You know, I hope he lands somewhere and and has a good year with somebody. But I don't think he he will, Tom. Yeah. But he, he had become basically a short yardage specialist and you can't afford that now as you mentioned they tagged tony pollard so to me that seems a little bit pricey for his talents his services just because he's a running back and i think running backs unfair as it may be for the players they they should not draw a lot of your salary cap and that's just that's just the way it is so we're going to have to wait and see what happens next year after Pollard gets done with the tag or if they negotiate something else because they may they could still overpay him for like a three-year deal uh, you know, or a two-year extension, however you want to look at it. 
Well, on that front, I mean, I am hopeful that maybe Tony Pollard has seen the light after this offseason and perhaps understands that the market for decent, even like great running backs is not that great. Um, it's not going to be substantial. It's probably not going to be in line with 10 million a year. So if you want to take your chances on franchise tags or signing one-year deals, I guess you could do that. But if you want some security in the form of a three-year deal, then maybe take a little less, something in the seven or eight range per year. The Cowboys, of course, did shore that position up slightly here when they took Deuce Vaughn there in the sixth round. And that's going to be exciting to see. But, you know, can you really expect Deuce Vaughn to carry – a big load in this backfield when people thought Tony Pollard wasn't big enough to be able to do so. Uh, It's hard to imagine that being the case. And that kind of rolls into the whole thing that we've been getting that Mike McCarthy wants to lean on the run game and the run defense and his defense as a whole more in 2023. And that's what he shored up, which kind of seems to be the opposite of the way the NFL is evolving into a more passing league. Uh, It will be interesting to see. Uh, You know, they definitely added lots of defensive talent. Uh, Yet he talks about the run game. They didn't really do much to help with the run blocking, you know, spending, you know, one pick. Uh, on, a, on an offensive lineman who we're not sure is even going to make the team because he's a, a, a later round pick. Mm. And not giving Schoonmaker his due for his blocking talents. Yeah, but he, I think Schoonmaker is, is I say more tongue in cheek. He was yeah, still a second sorry. round tight end in a sorry. class that had yeah. like four or five guys that were taken above him. Like, I know we are excited and I am excited about him too. And I probably expect him to be the starter of the position, but I also don't really expect him to come in and overwhelm me. Yeah. I just think he is they're looking for him to be the Dalton Schultz replacement, maybe with some better ball skills uh going forward. And uh, you know, that may not eventuate this season, but I think he's more of a long-term investment. And given the situation. I think it was the only logical. I don't think they could afford to bring Schultz back, and mm-hmm. I don't think he was that big a cog for the team. Agreed. So, Didn't mean to so, take you off the rails there, but Mike McCarthy, right, and his emphasis, or at least the thought that he's emphasizing the run game and the complement of it along with the defense going into this season. Are you buying that narrative? Well, it's it's kind of what we used to hear back when Jason Garrett was around, remember? Mm-hmm. They always talked about the importance of running the ball. They talked so, it, but I don't know if I felt like they practiced it. They talked and it. That's ex- and that's exactly what I think we might see. Uh, the The offense is going to still run through Dak Prescott. I don't care what the coaches are saying. He is going to be the key. If he has a really good year, th- there's no limit to what these Cowboys can do if, if Prescott goes out there and lights it up and gets the turnovers under control. And uh, McCarthy and Schottenheimer uh, actually make it work better than they thought Kellen Moore was making it work. So we'll have to, this is one we're going to have to see play out. Yeah. 
we are putting a lot of pressure on that early, like the early season comparisons that we're going to be making yeah. to Mike McCarthy's offense versus Kellen Moore's former offense versus also his current offense. They're in Los yeah, Angeles because they match up at, at one point this season. I think there's a point this season where, um, yeah, sorry, within that schedule, they're playing. There's there's two games where the Cowboys have like a, a serious angle like that. I think it's Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, right? That Mike and McCarthy kind of has to overcome that demon. And then the following week, it's Justin Herbert and the Chargers and – you know, that's like a pivotal point for the Cowboys season and specifically for McCarthy because if they lose those two games and then they go into the bye week, Tom, sitting on that and the media narrative that will be associated with it. Whew, yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's actually dicey, week brother. two. It's actually week two and then week six. Okay. Week six just so. Okay, sorry. Anyhow, the last thing, though, there is a narrative where the Cowboys really have, have stayed true, and that's that they still are not paying big money for players outside the organization. Uh, because they still didn't do much in free agency. They had three minor free agent signings was all they did after the Cooks and Gilmore trades. And the Cooks and Gilmore trades are very – you have to look at this – they knew the contracts. They were able to control uh, the uh, the cost. They didn't have to go in and bid in free agency and spend a lot more cap space. And, you know, they, they really have not paid anyone a lot of money this year. Uh, I think the biggest of their own signings, which is where they traditionally invested a lot of money, was Donovan Wilson, and he was, uh, I think, uh, seven million a year about, yeah. and so they're not spending a lot that way. And and I think what we're looking at is this is a case where they're having to keep some powder dry because they've got some big contracts that are rolling up on them. Soon. Uh, you know they've got C.D. Lamb, they've got Trayvon Diggs, uh, and and you know in the beast. At some point of Micah Parsons' contract comes to yeah, and that, at yeah, thirty million a year, so it makes sense for them to keep as much cap space for for the future. And I think this is one they're going to like likely to keep with. And I think that's why I'm really hoping this whole idea of trading for veterans is not going away because it worked well for them this year. And they should be looking to add a couple of more people. And it's interesting to note that, as I said, there were only 14 of those kinds of trades this year. And the Cowboys did two of them. So I, I think this could become part of their modus operandi. Especially when those guys come on the back end of their deals, right? We've two, three years advanced in terms of the money that guys are making behind them. They come at a bargain, right? Stefan Gilmore's money that's due left, Brandon Cook's money that's due left, those are bargains for the position value that those guys are going to provide. So um, as we continue with it, share with us your narratives there on social media that you think the Cowboys have destroyed and the ones that they have reinforced this offseason. And we will catch you 
next Thursday. Tom will be not joining us next Thursday, so we'll have a surprise guest with you. But for Tom, I'm Roy. You guys stay riled up on the Cowboys, and we will see you next Thursday.